Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, a weekly discussion about the National Hockey League's Boston Bruins, affiliated minor teams, and prospects of tomorrow's stars. Moore fights to keep it in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson, back in front door, shot, scores! Ray Bork. Score! Ray Bork from the face-off circle to the right of Reggie Lindland. Fired it down and Whitmore blew it. He bounces down to Bergeron. He takes the space, pulling it wide to the right of Tatar. The snapshot over the Rossi gets loose and Bergeron scores. Patrice Hello Bruins fans and welcome back for episode 11 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is the PJ Axelson edition. I'm your host Mark Ulred. Um We've been on a little hiatus uh, for about three weeks now. Uh, my partner in crime, Derek Delvecchio, is having some technical issues with his laptop and we're going to get that straightened out and excited to have him back as soon as possible. But uh, for right now, we have a guest from uh, the UK, a uh, very good, knowledgeable Bruins fan uh, from overseas, and his name's Rob Tomlin. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for letting me on here. I really appreciate it. Excellent. I'm glad to have you. Um, we've we've known each other for a while on social media, and uh, I really value uh, your opinion about the team and, and what goes on. So this is a real treat for me. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate your opinion on uh, a lot of the things related to the Bruins as well. So Excellent. It's good to be here. Thank you. Uh, so, I, I, we, like we talked on the on the off air program, um, you're from the UK, and yeah, I just I'm I'm intrigued on how you became a fan. Can you can you explain a little bit about uh, your past experience with the Bruins? So. When I was younger, me and my friend used to play a lot of the NHL video games and I could never decide on a team to pick. And uh, one day I was watching some videos and they were talking about the Big Bad Bruins and how they were the guys who were the guys who went into the corners and they were the guys scrapping all the time and they were the gritty, gritty team. And that always like... I always like to be that gritty guy who doesn't mind getting his hands dirty, does all the work, that kind of guy. So that really related to me. And then that's how I became a Bruins fan, really. That's awesome. And it's really cool that it came from a, a game. Yeah. That's sick. Um, and obviously, as you got older <laughs> and the internet became so much uh, a better information tool, you really got a lot of experience and knowledge from from uh, reading up on everything. Oh, yeah. Well, with our English pastime being English football and it being one of the slowest, most boring games you'll ever watch, <laughs> uh, going on to watch something like hockey and uh, watching a full season of the Bruins, you, you can never go back to a sport like that and watch something that slow because it, it just doesn't feel entertaining anymore. So watching hockey is just its something that I've, poured a lot of my life into because 
it's that thing that really talks to me. It gets me excited as soon as the season's starting. I want to know everything about the team that's coming up and about the players coming through the system. So that's what really got me going on wanting to know everything about the Bruins. That's awesome. Now, um, what about uh, live hockey in your area? Um, do you um, Are you uh, close to any of the EIHL teams? So, yeah, we've got a, a couple of teams around here. The you're generally about an hour, two hours away from most of the rinks. So I go to a few games, but English hockey is a lot more slow-paced than the American style of hockey. It's still quite gritty, and uh, there are players that like to throw the body around because they like them, them big players. And, uh, yeah, it's entertaining, but it, the NHL is just a different breed when it comes to hockey. You can watch... European hockey all you want, but if you want to watch the show, the big time, you've got to go to the NHL. There's nothing that compares to it. Nice. Uh, now, what about personal hockey experience? Uh, do you do you play? So, yeah, I play for one of the local beer teams around here. Uh, I play in net, so you could say I've got a bit of a screw loose when it comes to that. I'm, uh, I'm a goaltender myself. I, I recently retired a couple of years ago after 30 years, so I understand what you're saying. Oh, yeah. You, you've got to have something wrong with you to throw a <laughs> pair of thin pads on and go in front of people who can really hit the puck. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome. Well, again, welcome, and I, I, I really, really appreciate this as, as, um, as a fill-in for Derek's um, absence. But um, oh. this, is, this is really cool. Um, for well, the, the the Bruins, let's just start off in the Bruins. Uh, we haven't had a show since the uh, the 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 season pretty much ended, but um, and two consecutive years of non-playoff hockey, uh, and then the off season starts with uh, Don Sweeney still has a job, Cam Neely still has a job, and they are keeping Claude Julian around. How do you? Yeah. How do you? How do you personally see the team moving forward? If they, if they want to get going and they want to get this team back on track, Jacobs has to turn around to Neely and say, you need to take a back seat to everything that's going on. You need to, you need to run the building. You need to get like fans through the door, but you don't need to be involved in trade talk, signing talk. He, he needs to stick to his job. And let Sweeney just come in there, use his knowledge of youth players through the system, and just really get this team going, really build it up. So, so uh, are you under the impression that Neely was a blocker? He blocked a lot of stuff that was potentially going to happen? Yeah, that, and I think he'd turn around and say, I'd rather have this player, or I want you to go after, like what everyone would call a Bruins player, like a big body wanting to throw his body around. But the game's changing. You can see that with other teams. You can see it with Anaheim struggling at the beginning of the season when they had all their big players. They did really well last year, but now that there's so much skill and speed, you need to even it out. You need to have the skilled players. You need to have the big players. It needs to be a complete team, not just known for one thing. I, I have to, I absolutely agree and and you know um, I'm I'm 40 years old and I've been watching the Bruins since uh, probably five, so 
I get the big bad Bruins mentality, but like you said, times have changed, and and there's a lot of teams like like you said, Anaheim, L.A., Chicago. There's a lot of teams out west that are running four lines of offensive depth. Oh yeah, it's, and, it's got to be done now. You can't you can't go back to like having that defensive Malor line. You can you can still have guys like Nolachari who has a bit of speed on him. And you've got guys like Ferraro who can come in and can put up numbers. But when you restrict them to just be strictly defensive energy line, you just you're killing off their chance of being an actual player. You just turning around to them and you're saying, Look, all you're being is defensive here. I don't want you taking risks. I want you to be back in your own zone before their players are. It just kills off the team doing that. Yeah, and, and to counter on that on that thought, um, I, I I believe that a lot of teams uh, that come that play the Bruins with that style, like you said, the uh, just just to throw it out there, the more low line back in the day, I believe that they were getting out skated because they had that line. Yeah, because you had three guys that were going out there, and they were the guys laying the hits out, and they were the guys fighting, and. Now, if you're even down one player from a fight, if it's if it's not worth fighting, there's I, I I get that with the Bruins we we've always been a team that's if a teammate gets hit badly, we go in and do it. That's fine, but when to create energy, you want scoring opportunities. You don't want a guy back in his own zone just looking for a penalty, basically. Because if the other guy doesn't want to go, you're just asking for trouble. So right. Oh, that's that's good insight right there. Um, so, uh, uh, how about Julian? Your thoughts on we talked about this yesterday a little bit. Um, are you happy with him coming back? I am happy with him coming back for the main reason that it, it, we're not chancing it with a younger, like less experienced guy. On the other side, he needs to be told. Like, this is kind of how I want this team being played because you've got the GM bringing in the players and the coach has no say in what them players are coming in to do until he has to put them out on the ice. So he needs to be told, like, with Jimmy Hayes coming in, Jimmy Hayes was more of an offensive guy. He wasn't known for being a guy with his big back-checking game. He was more of an offensive threat, put him in front of the net, let him put in them rebounds. But when you look at him under Julian's system, he was like told, basically, you need to be the guy back-checking. You're the big-bodied guy. You need to be in the corners. But sometimes that doesn't work. So if you bring a guy in, you need to know what he's there to do. Right. Everybody's got a role. And uh, to place the, put the pieces where they're supposed to go is, is not an easy task. But... There's a, there's a lot of things that, that, that Julian did. I mean, I, I believe he's a good coach. I, I kind of like the system. I, I, I just don't like the way he, he does things. I mean, he favors his veterans, uh, I believe, way too much. Yeah, you, you see it with the guys being put down on the third and fourth line. And you got guys like Pasternak where if he doesn't have a great game, he's demoted to the third or fourth line. And you see someone like Connolly brought up where Connolly's not putting any points up, but Pasternak is. It, 
if you're down halfway through a game, you've still got half a game to go. If a if a team scores three goals on you in the first half, you've got another half of the game to score another three goals. It's not it's not like you can't just kill a player off and basically bench him because he's not putting up points for the first half of a game. It's it's just stupid sometimes when you look at what he does. But as well, like the thing that I really don't like about him last season was the defense seemed to have have free reign. They were allowed to pinch down the boards. You look at a guy like Kevin Miller, the amount of times that he skated behind their net, like the opponent's net, and took the puck in deep. And then you're killing off chances for your forwards because they're having to cover him. Yeah, exactly. exactly. There needs to be a tighter leash on the defense. Let them stay on the line. Don't let them pinch down as much make them stay where they are and give the forwards a bit more free reign. Let them do what they want to do. Great, it's great it's how you get points. So the, uh, when, it, when you, when you think about, uh, his, his lack of, his Julian's lack of effort and the coaching, um, with younger players, I, I am constantly reminded of the Ryan Spooner situation. Uh, do you remember last year when Krejci went down? Yeah. I mean, he was Julian and and organization were forced to bring Spooner up. Yeah, Spooner didn't come up just for the sake of hey, we're going to give you a game or two here. Thank you very much for what you're doing down in the AHL. Yeah, it was a recall basis. It, it just right and then, fill in spot. But but he was forced into the role to show his talent. When yeah. I mean, obviously these guys have scouts and everything down at the AHL. How come I just don't understand why the the opportunities aren't there for everybody? Well, you look at guys like Austin Zarnick this season. He he should have had a call up at some point. He should have been given a chance to show what he can do at the NHL level because you've got writers now saying, "Oh, he's ready for a third line role next season." Well, we don't know that because he hasn't played a single game in the NHL. We don't know how he's going to fare because he never got a chance to come up. But you gave a guy like Koklachev the the chance to come up because you wanted to see, oh, he he wants to leave. Do we want to keep him? Do we want to offer him NHL time? They should have they should spread it out through the season. This guy's playing good. We need to give him some time at the NHL level. This guy at the NHL level isn't playing well. We need to sit him for a few games and let this young guy come up. They need to be more of that team that looks at players in the AHL, and if they're hot, they need to be brought up and seen if they're still that good at the NHL level, or else we're never going to know whether we've just traded away someone who's like an exceptional NHL player because we don't know because they're stuck in the AHL team for the entire time. Yeah, and and I'm 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 totally on board with players having an opportunity because it's not only it, it's it's good confidence builders for them to get to that level get a taste and then if you sent back down you work hard to get back up there now yeah now, you look at vetrano yep. like he did exactly the same thing a lot of a lot of fans when they hear that they, they see a guy like vetrano come up he, he's got a bit of a name for himself we all know he's got an exceptional shot when he came up he did well in the first five five games really well got in there, did good work, and then he started to die off a bit because his confidence went down. Yeah, for so, the next the next 25 games was just, you know, yeah. 
I mean, he was there. He was hustling. He was forechecking. He was backchecking. All the, all the good pieces you want to see from a younger player. But his scoring consistency was nothing compared to the NHL. Yeah. And that's one thing to me. And when I, have, when I socialize with fans, they're like, oh, this and that. You have to understand the AHL is such a lower level. Even though it's the next one down from the NHL, but it's still a lower level that he can thrive on. He's not going to get 30 goals in 32 games in the NHL. I'm sorry. You look at the the guys from other teams, the third and fourth liners that get sent down when they bring a kid up at the beginning of a season, and you look at them and you see that they're an amazing player at the AHL level, but it never never goes across to the NHL level. Right. So when you see a guy like putting points up at the AHL and you're screaming at the TV going, why haven't you brought this guy up? Why haven't you brought that guy up? It's because it is a different animal. They've got to show consistency like Vetrano did. He scored 30 goals in what half a season. Mm -hmm. And that was tied for first place in scoring. So imagine if he'd have been down there all season, if he'd have scored say 60 goals. Yeah, he is the guy we need at the NHL level. And that's why he was brought up. But then you look at other guys who have, like, say, 20 goals and stuff. Then you can't bring them up. You can't give them that time unless they're a role player. You look at um, a guy like Hargrove. He can be a role player. He can be brought up and put on the fourth line. He can throw his body about. Yeah, I like Colton. I really yeah. do. But if you're looking at a skilled guy and he's only putting up 30, 40 points in an AHL season... Don't expect him to come up to the NHL and throw in 30 goals and 40 assists because it's, it's just not going to happen. You've got to understand that the different leagues, the different levels, it's you've just got to see it as two completely different organizations. Yeah, and uh, going back on uh, a name that you mentioned, uh, Austin <coughs> Zarnik, uh, what a rookie season in his first year of, uh, of professional hockey in the minor in the minor program. Uh, I watch. I watch. I've been watching every every Providence Bruins game since I think for four years now. Since I've I've gotten subscriptions to um, uh, AHL Live and yeah. uh, and other web um, streams that I I'm available to get. And uh, I yeah. What what vision? I mean, three zone player. He's a center that can get on the half wall and and create some havoc, which is it. You don't see that often. You don't see a, a center yeah. pinching in like that, but it's good to see an all-around game like that from such a younger player in his first year. And I, I, quite honestly, I would—I I know we're so loaded with centers right now, but if if by chance, if anything happens to David Krejci over the summer, I oh, yeah. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a slot in on the third line. Yeah, that, I I've been saying this like since the off season started for us like if if someone like Spooner gets moved in a trade for that demon that demon that we actually need Zarnik is that type of guy who could probably slot straight in you could play him a full season you wouldn't have to worry about him because to me you look at him and you look at some other NHL centers that are like that and he reminds me of a lot a lot of uh, Ryan Kessler He's got wow. got great vision going down the ice. He can he can pick off a pass straight up the ice and break your team out. 
He's also that guy who turns around, realizes when a pass is getting intercepted. He's the first guy back. He's the first like first guy back into the zone. Sets up really well. Knows where the passes are coming from. He is a he's one of them complete players that you want to watch out for because no one knows what he's going to become. Uh, that's a that's a pretty interesting comparison, Ryan Castleworth. He's just he's that he's that all round player, isn't he? he? Yeah. He knows exactly what's going on at the ice at all places. He just he's always got his head up. He's always looking about. He's a pain in the ass, but yeah, he's an all round player. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, um, uh, looking forward, I mean, as 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 two fans just sitting there shooting the shit, I I I, I cannot. I, I don't think I'd be able to handle if like a person like Frank Petrano starts his starts his uh, 2016-17 campaign in the minors. Um, no, I I would say he's going to be a full time player next year. He has to be, even if he's stuck on the fourth line for the beginning of the season. They have to give him NHL time. He's NHL ready. He's proved it. He's come up. He's made a name for himself. The fans absolutely love him, and. If if you look at him compared to if you look at pictures of him from a few seasons ago, he's a completely different guy. He's built himself up. He's become this forward. He's got that NHL shot. He he's a guy that we need because we don't have a lot of guys who think about shooting first. We've got a lot of guys who will pass around and they'll lose the puck. But he is one of them guys when the puck's on his stick, he's thinking about his shot straight away. Yeah, he, find, he finds a way to get that shot off all the time. Yeah. A, there was a couple of games I've seen uh, down in Providence when when he's when he's totaled like 12 to 15 shots on goal. <clears throat> oh, yeah. That's just crazy. He had, uh, in one of the playoff games, he had 17 shots, I think it was, Yeah, was that, in was the that, last game. Yeah, against Wilkes-Barre Scranton. Yeah, yeah, 17 shots. That is you, just nuts. You, you look at some of the other like first, second line forwards and they're totaling two, three, maybe five shots. Right. And he's just putting the puck on net and he knows good things will happen as soon as it comes off the goalie. So why wouldn't you want that player to be up in the NHL, creating some energy, get some goals in? Perfect guy to fit in. Yeah, I agree. Um uh, all right, moving forward, away from the forwards, I guess. Um, goaltending. This is this is something that we're we're both gonna probably bounce off <laughs> of really well. What 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 do you do with Jonas Gustafsson? I would, I would keep in touch with him during summer, make him work in like insane drills make him bet like nearly kill himself basically like work his ass off see how his heart's doing because if he's if this is going to come back every season if it's going to come back next season and haunt us and we've got no one to come up we need to get rid of him and get someone else in i know that he's good i know that he's played really well he's nine what is it uh 11 9 and 1 on the season i believe so and from what I see, is a nine, uh, nine oh eight save percentage, which isn't great, but at the same time, we've had one of the worst defenses we've seen in a long time. Yeah, there, so, there was there was no, and I'm not gonna, 
I'm not going to beat on the Rask train and and he ruined the season for everybody because I'm I I think I'm a little more intelligent than that. But you know, there was no support for goaltending this year, no, and, and not in that last year either. So I mean, that's just a fact. But um, he's Gustafson's a 31 year old player. He's a veteran. He's he's been a backup for most of his career. Um, I. I don't know where to go with this because there's really not a lot of uh, UFAs available this summer. Yeah. So, and he, Gustafson is a UFA until July 1st. So, whether he gets a job somewhere else, but there's nobody, if they want to keep going with with um, uh, short money, cap-friendly deals and stay within the organization, I a lot of people talk about Jeremy Smith. See, I don't see it with Smith. I, the confidence isn't there when when he's put in high pressure situations. He's he's definitely to me, he's an AHL starter. He's he's the guy that's gonna get your rookies the wins. He's the guy who's gonna hold down the fort at the AHL level. But like I I, I don't see him coming up and okay. doing anything outstanding. All right, no. so so you you are pretty much just like the Boston Bruins organization, okay? You're the one that's making the decisions. Listen, listen, to, listen to Jeremy Smith's year last year, okay? Right. Last season, October sixth, he gets moved on loan to the Iowa Wild. While the Boston Bruins knew that Malcolm Subban would not be available to start the season, okay? Yeah. They call up Matt Ginn from the Atlanta Gladiators from the East Coast Hockey League. Number one, that that back then, back in October, that showed me, number one, he got loaned to another team. Where does he fit in this whole depth of goaltending scheme? That that just shows you that he was there to split a season with Subban. He, that, that's the reason really we got him was... He was a guy who was going to give Subban the starts, but if Subban was struggling, Jeremy Smith's the guy who's going to go in there and do a good job. I think at first when they got him, they thought it might be the possibility that he's a serviceable backup. But if you loan, the rare times that players are loaned out, especially goalies, to say that they loaned him out and brought Ginn up, it just shows you that there's no confidence there. They, they wanted to give... They want to give the younger guys like McIntyre and Subban. They want to give them the starts. They don't want to give it to Smith. Exactly, and then, and then obviously Subban goes down with a fractured larynx um, in the Pro- uh, Portland Pirates game in, f- I believe, early February, and it, it was now it's an emergency. Now we need this guy. Yeah. So, and. So uh, he comes back. He and he puts up some great numbers. You could you could tell that he left a real shitty organization in Iowa. Oh yeah, and, his, his numbers were really bad in Iowa. Oh, what was like, it like five fifteen? And you know he had a decent goals against and a, and a decent save percentage, but his his win loss was just terrible. Oh yeah, it, it was. You, you could tell that the the Wild aren't really bothering with their AHL team this season it doesn't seem uh, they seem to have a lot of kids on there and they're, they're trying to go with 
like instead of bringing in veteran guys they've got like all the young guys so they weren't doing a very good job but you look at him when he came back to Providence and you come back to a hot team where they've got a good defensive core and they've got good forwards. He he did a good job when he came back, I've, I've got to say that. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, he definitely did. And and um, the Bruins, the Providence Bruins, they were they were hot since the end, uh, the middle or the end of December. And they went on this, this tear to get right into the Calder Cup uh, playoffs. In the beginning of the season, I, I did not see this. They were awful. They were, I want to say, twelve and twenty-one to start the year, and yeah. then they ripped off a, um, a twenty-nine and fourteen record to finish off the season. That I mean, that was pretty remarkable, and you know, a lot of good goaltending did come from him. But one thing that really bothered me, and 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 this is about the the Bruins management and how they do things. Is the Providence Bruins played the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins in the first round of the Calder Cup? They played back to back. It was a Wednesday night and a Thursday night, so there's two back to back games. They had Friday off. Now you're down 0-2 in the series. Everybody's rested on Friday, and then you have a game on Saturday. Jeremy Smith started those two back to back games, rested on Friday, but they still went and started. Zane McIntyre for game number three, the elimination game. I I just like I almost got a running start again and jumped yeah. out my office window when I heard that. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. believe it. It's like these guys and they just don't they just don't have faith in, in a lot of the younger guys or anybody. And it's just it, tough. It, yeah, it just seems like they they want to go for. They want to show you that big name signing that they made, like with McIntyre. They want to show you, oh, we have confidence in this player. He's going to get it done. But then a lot of the times when they do that, it, it just turns around and bites them because they're just they're having a horrible time with trying to show us players like you got Connolly and you got these guys, and they're trying to give them time and shove them in your face and make you love them, but. It's just not working out, really. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of Providence, uh, uh, Bruce Cassidy, he's yeah. the uh, head coach. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on him possibly being an assistant with, to Claude Julian? I, th- I think that'll be good because he'll have a say in the younger players starting and the younger players getting more ice time. I think that'll really help with transitioning through from Providence to Boston. I think it'll do a really good job of getting getting us seeing some of them young stars that are coming up. So I, I think that'd be a good I like idea. I like the idea just for the pure fact that he's he's been in the system. You know, he doesn't have to really you know, the transition I think would be easy opposed yeah. to another another guy that comes off the street that has to, you know, learn everything all over. To me again. to me as well, it, it it just screams like that the if they do give him the assistant G, uh, the assistant coach spot, it just screams to me, right, Claude, this is your backup. Like this is the guy who's going to be taking your job if you don't do well. Five feet but, away from you every game. Yeah, every game. And if <laughs> if he's bringing players up and he's like he's giving advice to you and it's making you look good, this is the guy we're going to go to. If you don't book your ideas up and get everything going, then yeah, 
just turn around and you can see the door and you can see the guy who's taking your job as well. So, yeah. I wasn't it's one of them. I was not a fan of the Joe Sacco um, uh, signing or job. Yeah. I think, I, uh, as, you know, like I said, I, I've, I've been around this area for all my life and I've been a fan for a long time. And I, I'm just so tired of them catering to former players and 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 people that grew up around here. I you know what I mean? It's just Yeah. Like the whole Sacco um episode in Colorado and then he got hired, I was just like, What are you doing? Yeah. You know, stop. like the I, I don't get why they favor a guy who's played most of his life actually played hockey compared to a guy who spent his entire life wanting to coach, learning to coach, doing everything possible to become an NHL coach, but you give it to the guy who's played, he's learned systems, but he hasn't done any actual coach, well, not as much coaching as the guy who you want to take. So That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what else do we want to... Oh, let, we were talking about yesterday about... Um, about possible changes and ideas for the team, um, I, I me personally, I I mean, I know leadership is a big thing, and a lot of people have screamed at this uh, over the season that there's not enough, and we need that guy in the locker room, uh, blah blah blah. I, I'm I I like Chris Kelly, I really do. I like his I like his penalty kill skills, but to me. That's all he puts on the table when it's out on the ice. Yeah. Uh, I don't give. I really don't care if he's a leader in the locker room. You know, I want the leaders to be out on the ice. So, I, I to me, I would not resign him. I know though there's a lot of people out there that are saying we need to get that guy back. I don't think it's a good idea. I think resigning a player like that is going to impede the progress of a developing player. Um, but you had you talked yesterday about an interesting idea, and and I really want to talk about it on the podcast now about uh, your thoughts on Brent Conley. Right. So basically, with his contract coming to an end, and he's a restricted free agent. The guy's not going to make more than a million dollars at any team. No team is going to take a chance on him, sign him long term. It's just not going to happen. So what you do with a guy like that is you give him you give him that ultimatum, you you say, right, we're going to sign you to a one-year AHL contract. You go down to the minors, you work your ass off, you score, you show us that you want to be a Bruin, you show us that you want to play for us, and we'll give you that contract. So we're sending him to the minors, it gives him confidence, it gets him going again, it puts that spark back in him that you know is there. You don't, you're not a first-round pick unless there's something good with you. I know you look at guys like Caron and you you can you can say it with him as well, but you need you need to give your players confidence and putting him on that first line this season just killed him. Oh, that was ridiculous. He, he he he's never played that type of role. He's never been that guy who plays that many minutes, five on five anyway. He they never gave him a chance on the power play. He never got penalty kill time. The only thing he played was five on five. He didn't play any four on four. So you you've just shown him there that you've got no confidence in his abilities because he's he's meant to be a guy who can score goals. He's meant to have 
a really good shot, but you never put him on the power play. You never gave him that chance. So send him to the AHL. Let him have as much time as he can. Put him on the penalty kill down there. Make him learn a new skill. Like, make him come up and be that serviceable, like, third, fourth line guy who's going to not only kill off penalties, but also be able to score some goals. So that's what I think. And he's 23 years old. Yeah, he's he's still a kid, basically. Right. I mean, there's so much, and there's time, but it, it, is he worth the investment? And like you said, there's no other team in the NHL that's going to want to take on that. No, most think most contracts he'll get offered in free agency will be two-way contracts, and he'll get sent straight to the minors. They can promise him NHL time all they want, but you can guarantee as soon as the season starts, they're going to send him to the minors. The only team that would take him for NHL time would be a team like Toronto. And with them going with kids all season, which what it looks like, and especially with getting Austin Matthews now, I don't think they're going to want a guy like that who's shown that he can't play first-line minutes or second-line minutes. What's the point in taking him on? So the best idea is to keep him with the Bruins team and just send him down to Providence, let him get his confidence back. Even bring him up when he needs to come up, but he needs he needs time to gain confidence, build confidence. It's the same with a lot of players, to be honest. That's so a, it's a, it's an interesting, very interesting thing. Um, I if it were, I mean, if if that's something that's an option, I, I'm on board with it. You know, it might be able to kick somebody's kick him in the ass to get him going a little a little more. Well, let him be let him be a leader down there as well. Oh, absolutely. He, he's 23 years old. Most of the guys down there, other than the defense core, you look at most of the guys down there, they're, they're like eight, well, 19, 20, 21. Just give them a guy who knows a bit about the NHL, knows what these kids are going to have to do to get to the NHL. He could even help in that aspect. But if you're giving him like $900,000, it, it's nothing against your cap. It's It's a slight bit against your cap that's never going to really affect you so yeah why you're not, not, you're take not on a it for the full amount yeah it's low risk big reward with that guy if you if you can send him down there chances are that you spark him back up and you show that the bruins have confidence in him you gave up you gave up draft picks to get him oh my so God. two two yeah. of them two yeah. second round picks why why let him walk to free agency but yeah He's, and then you get nothing yeah, he's 23. You've got a chance that he could be a late bloomer. He's, he's not had much luck at Tampa Bay. They kept sending him from the minors to the big league to the minors. So he just he needs a bit of time. That's all. You need to stick with him, give him confidence, tell him that he's going to be a Bruin, and stuff will start to happen. I think. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a big I'm I'm a big fan of of uh, younger talent transitioning their game into the minor pro system and the you know into the nhl so i i kind of hold draft picks and younger talent at a kind of a higher standard than a lot of other people yeah. but but i mean the Conley deal two second round picks the lee stepniak you get you know what i mean yeah giving him a second round pick too it's like let's let's not get crazy with these with with giving away potential future talent. See, the thing is, I I could see why they did the Lyles deal. I could see why they gave up picks to get Lyles because they needed a confident 
non-panicking defenseman to be on the back end, and that's what Lyles was. But bringing in Stempniak, you, you could have given that time to someone else, oh, really. And, and we talked to me and Derek and I talked about this in the, uh, a couple podcasts ago. Um, was Stepniak was in Boston on a PTO. Yeah, so if they, we'd if, let him go. If, so. if they had faith in him back in September, <laughs> and then and then before the trade deadline happens, you give away uh, a couple rounds of, of potential talent and then say, oh, yeah, now you're our guy. Yeah. <laughs> just... Now come back. Now we'll pay <laughs> top dollar for you to come back. Now you put up points on right. a losing team. So... I, he's one of them guys. Stempney, I, I, I can see them re-signing him next season, but I'd say to them, don't do that. Like, I give give Griffith a chance. That's... When was when was the last time he got a chance? I know he was injured at the beginning of the season, and that's why he didn't start. And he was on the NHL roster, but you've got to show him some confidence. He He's like Spooner. He was down there for a long time. He never gets call-ups. He got one the year before this, uh, where he scored that between-the-legs goal against New Jersey. That was sick. Yeah. That was and sick. that's just a little flash of him. Like, you look at him at the AHL level, and he can get stuff done. He's a point-for-game player. Exactly. Give, give him a chance. Give him, give him the first 20 games of the season. And if it doesn't work out, there'll still be some old guy in free agency that will happily take a million dollars to play on our, our first line because that's what he'll end up doing. Yeah, and I, I like Griff a lot. Another another three zone player. Um, oh yeah. You know he he does the he does the things that need to be done to get to create offense. He's so fast. You know, it's just. Oh, I, I'm excited to see these players because I watch them at the AHL level, but. I, I just know that when, when they get it, you know, Seth Griffith will get a call up and it will be for a game and then it'll get sent down because they, the team just doesn't give these guys time to get any on a roll. Yeah. And, and fans, fans definitely don't give these guys a chance. Oh, I mean, no. They give, I, it, they give them one game and if they have a bad game and they've. Oh, he sucks. Get rid of him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Get rid of him straight away. We don't like him. He's he's not a big bad brewing. He doesn't throw the body. But the the same people that are saying that they want skill in the team, but yeah. they're not giving it time to get going. Exactly. But, but because Vetrano scored on his first game, oh, Vetrano's the next big thing. Vetrano's the next Phil Kessel or whatever. But you, you can't you can't tell these these kids are gonna take two three years to come through to be actually in the practice you're looking at 26 to 28 is when a player actually shows what he really is so you can't get annoyed at them now because they're not putting up points at an nhl level some people take more time than others yeah absolutely and and like i use kokolchev as a, as a great example i mean this kid this kid is an excellent ahl player he yeah. sees the ice very well he's got a great pass um, and but at the NHL he couldn't get any consistency. But uh, I mean, let me let me you know I don't like what he said. I don't like players that are verbal about yeah. their their you know. I believe a player should keep that inside, do your job, and then when you when you're done with your career in, in an organization, then say all you want. I hated the coach. I hated I hated the GM. Yeah, you you're not doing any good for yourself to get the to get those spots. 
on the AHL to create any consistency. I mean, I'm sorry, the NHL to create any consistency. But also, I can see his frustration because I guarantee Sweeney and other and other scouting staff have told him, "Just be patient. You're going to get your time." Yeah. So, and I mean, it's it, I. I hope he doesn't walk. I kind of have a feeling he we might get like a six round draft pick for him. Yeah, you know, but to get some kind of value. But I don't see anyone putting that up with the whole all the rumors that are saying that he's going to the KHL. I I just don't see any team bothering to actually try and pick up his contract. So you think he's you think he's gone KHL bound? I just think he is because. And the thing is, I guarantee if he goes to the KHL, we'll be kicking ourselves next year because you'll see it at the end of the KHL season that he'll have put up points, he'll have been good because he'll have a bad start to the year and then he'll get his feeling about like what their play is like and everything like that and he'll start putting points up. And it'll be another player that we're talking about for the next five years that, oh, we gave this guy up, we didn't even bother with him, but it's the same people that are already saying, get rid of him, I don't like him. Right. So, Like it, like, like Brandon Brochensky? Well, yeah, like like, <laughs> a, like every guy we've ever given up on seems to turn around and slap oh, us in the face going I, to another team. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it kills me inside to see players... And I'll say to my friends, I'll go, do you know who that guy was drafted by? And they'll go, no. And I'll go, right, well, he was a Bruin. And that <laughs> and, and that guy there was a Bruin. And that goaltender there was a Bruin. And now he's doing really good. It's like all the time that I I love Hutchinson, the goalie for Winnipeg. The oh, guy Michael, Michael Hutchinson, yeah. Yeah, I love that guy. He had so much talent. And I can't believe we went with Fedberg. I that kills me. That kills me inside to say that we went with Fedberg and we gave up with Hutch- Hutchinson. Just kills me. Yep. He's yep. killing it. He, th- there's people talking about he could be the starter in a couple of years. Over Pavlak. Yeah. And you look at it and you're just like, we need a backup. Well, we have needed a backup up until now. And then we had him. <laughs> and we had him in the system all along. But no, we went with the... We went with the guy who like had a flashy name and brought a bit of like spark with him, but in the end, Svedberg was that guy that came and just wanted a bit of money and went back home. Yeah, well, I I believe the Svedberg move was to save his career. Oh yeah, I I, th- I think if he continued in the NHL with another franchise, I think that and and he sucked. I think it would have gotten into his head that he wouldn't be a, a decent goaltender in his future. But I, yeah. I I believe moving over there might have revitalized his career, and he's got decent numbers over in the K. I mean, yeah, he, he had a bad start, and then he turned it around. And I'll give all props to him; he did really well. He's, he is a good goaltender, but we just—it's it, another player that we didn't give enough time to. Right. Yeah, but, and it's t- it's tough. I mean, like like going back on Gustafson, he's got NHL time. So he's accustomed to be playing like once every two weeks. A guy like Svedberg or any any goaltender in the minor leagues needs consecutive games to get better and properly develop. Not sit on the like I'm not I'm not a fan of Subban coming up next season. That kid no. needs to play more. 
Yeah, he needs uh, goaltending is the hardest thing to come to the NHL to play. Like, if he comes and he have a, has another St. Louis game where he lets in what was it, three goals on five shots? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. If he has that again, that that could be him done for his entire career because once that gets into your head, you thinking, oh, I can't make a save at the NHL level. There's no point in me carrying on. And, and going back on uh, a couple episodes ago, uh, Derek was talking about when he comes back, how do you feel about him being, like, gun-shy? Oh, yeah, he's going to be moving his head out of the way of pucks left, right, and center. Yeah. He's going to be – he is going to take a lot to get him back to where he was, and it it, it kills a player to know that he's got he's going to have to go through another year, maybe two, just to get back to where he was at the end of this season. And he is he is skating and he is taking shots, so um, yeah, a full recovery is expected by September. If you if he could, I'd be surprised if in training camp we don't see him moving out of the way of a Zidane or Chara slap shot. I I really wouldn't be surprised. Right. Because he's he's not going to want to go through that again. That must have been one of the most painful injuries you could go through. So, oh, oh yeah, I actually had a uh, a good friend of mine that uh, throws me uh, a bunch of leads uh, here and there. Uh, my friend Jeremy, I, he's actually a co-worker of mine. Uh, he was at that game. He traveled to Portland and saw that happen. Uh, the mm. shot, the shot hit his neck. He drops to the ground, and then immediately knows something's definitely wrong and skates off the ice and. Yeah. See that that's that's one of them things you if you're not going to wear one of them Lexand anglers it, it's going to happen and you can see it with Tukarask how many times has Tukarask took a shot to the throat right quite quite a few times i know i don't wear one because i like the the maneuverability of my head i like it that i'm not getting caught up and that's why a lot like a guy like Tukarask doesn't wear one because he wants to be able to turn his head to be able to see behind the net and it's the same with Subban but I think he'll be wearing one when he comes back because you've got to protect yourself and a little bit of rubber around your neck isn't going to stop anything happening so and and this is this is the time to do it I mean you know if yeah. he's if he's up and skating and he's taking pucks this is the time to get adjusted to it so you'll be you'll be well aware of your surroundings and like you said how to maneuver around uh, side to side post to post, you know, yeah. and, and, and get it, get used to it instead of, you know, Oh, I, I took a shot. I'm nervous. And then putting it on for yeah. uh, a game the next day. It's not that easy. No, it, it's, it's not like wearing a new pair of skates or like wearing a new set of gloves or anything like that. It is, it is one of them things that is a total game changer because your body doesn't move how you want it to because you've learned how to move for 10 years and all of a sudden you can't move your neck in the same way because something's blocking you. So it's one of them things, it'll take him time. I, I guarantee he'll be using one all summer and he'll probably be skating with his brothers and taking shots off his brothers all summer. So hopefully it helps him. Hopefully it makes him a better player. All right, we've got about... Uh, a couple minutes before we uh, wrap this up, but uh, uh, last night was the NHL lottery uh, for the NHL draft that's coming up in June, and uh, I was hoping that for that one percent chance that the Bruins are going <laughs> to get the number one pick, but 
you know, odds have it. They don't. They retain yeah. the 14th position. Uh, Toronto wins the lottery and possibly the Austin Matthews sweepstakes. Um, I, I, I just want to get your opinion on uh, how the Bruins should, uh, or if you, if you were the GM, if you were Don Sweeney for a day, um, in the first round, uh, do you go defense? Do you go forward? Uh, how do you feel? To be honest, I've just said this on Facebook about two hours ago. I go with whatever is there. If if a player drops from, say, a top 10 position to 14th and it, it, it seems like a steal, take him. If it's a forward, if it's a D-man, it doesn't matter. Because if you pass up on that guy and the next team takes him and in 10 years he's scoring 30, 40 goals a season and the guy that you've drafted is another Matt Bartowski or Jordan Caron, <laughs> you've just you just killed yourself so uh yeah i think we've just got to take whatever's there but at the same time i i would like to take a d-man but we need a right-handed shot d-man we don't I, i've been saying this we don't need a left-handed shot d-man we need a right-handed shot d-man who we can mold into a top two pair because playing a left guy on the right side doesn't work he's not going to be able to get into the boards he's not going to be able to fish the puck out as easy you've seen it with Seidenberg this season so you've got to take a right-handed shot D-man and if he's not available there drop to the San Jose pick and see if there's one available there and then take him then I I uh, I'm really really high on taking a defenseman first uh, yeah. And then using the 20th pick, the San Jose. Well, oh, I'm sorry. San Jose is still in, so it wouldn't be. Um, yeah, it's not it set in stone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm really high on this Dante Fabro. Yeah. He uh, he played in the um, British Columbian Hockey League. And yeah. he's committed to uh, Boston University uh, this coming season. So. I mean, I'm not trying to, um, you know, do the whole Boston thing. Everybody that is is going to Boston or from Boston should be looked at. I'm personally looking at it as a, it's easy to scout this person. Oh, yeah. If he's that close to the garden, you could walk there and just go and see a game and go see how he's doing. And... I think that's something we need to see Sweeney do a lot more of is go like when was when was the last time you heard him go and watch like Grizzly or someone like that? I've ne I've never heard of him going to one of the college games and watching some of the Bruins players. So I think that's that's something he needs to do, but we also need to keep guys close to us. And and, and Fabro's got some um, some decent numbers. He's six feet tall, hundred and ninety pounds. He's 17. Um, he's ranked uh, from hockeyprospect.com 13th, uh, ranked 21st by future considerations. And NHL Central Scouting has him at 18. So He's around that 14 mark then. So yeah. he's a, yeah, I mean, he's a he, guy that's going to He could drop be available. And, he's yeah. a, and like you said, he's a right-shooting defenseman. I would, I would like to see him... Like later on in the rounds, pick up 
some of the older players, someone around 19, 20, guys who are going to be like in Providence sooner rather than later, guys who are going to, we're actually going to see how they're faring. Because there's, um, I think it's Tyson Bally, the centerman. He didn't get drafted last year. He's 20 years old. And it, they've been saying that he's going to drop to like the fourth, fifth round. He's a guy that I wouldn't mind them seeing pick up because he's AHL eligible straight away. Oh, nice. So the, oh. there's guys when you look around that if they are AHL eligible, they, you never know. You could bring them to, to camp and they could actually turn out to be that guy that can fill a D spot on the Bruins roster. But it, it's a gamble when you take a guy that's late on and never been picked in the drafts before. So It's all a gamble, my friend. Yeah, it's one big gamble. <laughs> all right, well, uh, I think that's it. I think we're going to uh, wrap it up for this week. Um, I want to thank Rob very much for, for joining me. It's been a lot of fun. I, I love talking hockey no matter who it is. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on, though. That's It's been great. Yeah, and um, uh, depending on uh, Derek's schedule and when he comes back to the program, if you'd like to join me next week and, and maybe future weeks, um, I'd love to have you back. Yeah, no worries. That would be great. Awesome. Well, thanks again. All right. Take care, bud. Cheers. for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please join us next week for another discussion of Bruins hockey-related material.